Good morning. It's good to see you guys. You guys doing all right? Good. I uh, want to uh, want to thank uh, everybody that helped uh, make this weekend happen for our marriage conference. And uh, man, what just a, an awesome time we had together. And uh, there's a lot of people that had their hands in on making that happen. And just thank you to all of you, uh, uh, Jeff uh, Menifee and his crew and uh, so many others, uh, you know, just in, in so many different ways. Ben put a lot of time into it as well. I mean, it's just, uh, it takes a lot of work to put something like that on. And uh, we had, we actually had families from all over the place. We had families driving here from Hendersonville and different places and uh, just really neat to, to get to see, um, you know, so many people coming. I'll, I'll tell you this, I know, you know, a lot of people hear something like that and are like, oh, we're doing pretty good. We don't, you know, we don't need something like that or I don't want to go to something like that or whatever. And and I think the temptation is to think that it's just about, you know, oh, we're trying to make our marriage better. <clears throat> I, I want to kind of challenge us always in that thought that it's not about that. It's about God making us better. And in turn, things like our marriage, our marriages get better. Uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, that, to, to be honest with you, and I, and I mean, we had, we had some awesome moments the weekend. Um, you know, uh, all, the, all the spouses praying together at the end of yesterday was awesome. Um, and uh, anybody that was here could tell you that. Uh, but, but really the thing that really stuck out to me was that uh, there was a moment in what we were learning and talking about uh, that was talking about um, how we uh, often settle uh, for what we think is good. Uh, so like uh, talking about spiritually speaking, like our relationship with the Lord, of course it can be your marriage too or whatever, but that we're, we're great at settling for good instead of pressing for great, you know, and, and, and I think especially when it comes to our walk with the Lord, uh, we're kind of guilty of that. It's like, okay, I got just enough taste of that. I don't need any more. You know, I'm good for the week or, you know, what, whatever it is. You know, I mean, we, we compartmentalize and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, it, man, it was just fantastic, just a fantastic weekend. So uh, thank you. Thank you to everybody that helped make it happen. We really appreciate it. Um, we, uh, I'm wearing uh, the, uh, one of these adoption is the gospel uh, shirts. Uh, these can be had from uh, Matt and Lakin Chance. Uh, if you don't know Matt and Lakin, we will glad to connect you with them. They are in the middle of an adoption um, that I'm not supposed to really talk about much, but uh, it's, they're in the middle of some stuff, and uh, adoptions are not cheap. And so uh, they, they made some t-shirts to sell some shirts, and uh, to try to help raise some money for that. So uh, if you want to help them out, you can, uh, you can get a shirt from them. I don't, I don't even know what they're asking for them. Somebody actually bought this one for me, and I've got something for them to give back as well. Uh, but um, uh, I don't know, give, give them 100 bucks or something for a shirt. Uh, you know, like I said, ado- adoption is not cheap. So, you know, give, give them something. Or if you don't want a T-shirt, you just want to give them some money. That's fine, too. Uh, we, we try to be uh, super supportive of, of uh, folks that uh, in our church that are... Uh, trying to adopt, fostering, all those kinds of things. And as a matter of fact, uh, this Wednesday, uh, we are having uh, the gathering for the people, and Ben will probably mention this later, of folks that are interested in uh, that ministry, adoption and foster care ministry. And so uh, that's coming up Wednesday night here um, in Kids Church. You can come join us if you haven't signed up, get signed up for that or whatever. That's at 7 o'clock. You see the Bus Neighborhood Ministry. We had the Addiction Recovery Ministry this past week. Uh, Nathan did a great job with that, uh, and uh, it was, uh, man, a fantastic turnout, too. So 
anyway, just just cool cool stuff going on and just things you need to be aware of. And and if it and listen, if it if it's not your thing, if if you see something like that and you go, man, that's awesome. I don't think God's calling me to that. Uh, that's cool. But pray. You know, be praying. Be praying for those ministries. Be praying for the people that are going to help lead them, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot to that, and uh, we want uh, we want to get. Uh, Good starts on on all of these things, and 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 they, and they be great for the kingdom more than anything. I mean, that's that's what we want. We want them to be great for the kingdom. So, uh, that's uh, that's what's coming up. Um, all right, uh, let's uh, let's get our let's get our Bibles out. You got a Bible? Go to the Book of Mark, chapter fourteen. Let's uh, let's do it. Uh, and uh, our ushers have Bibles if you don't have one, and uh, they will be glad to to get you one. Our faithful faithful ushers. Uh, who uh, help uh, do lots of things that you don't see, uh, including uh, Josh here is our, uh, he's, he's the head of, he loves, he loves what I'm talking about, uh, he's, he's over our, uh, our, our usher ministry, and, uh, and they do do things that you don't you know, see a lot of times or whatever. Uh, case in point, uh, we got here, uh, oh, did we have a slide for him? Or was that somebody else? Okay, I don't know what happened there. Had something going on there, uh, but anyway, uh, so so you know one of the things about Josh you got to know is like that brother's OCD, and uh, when you're OCD and you're the the head usher, uh, you know you also end up you know having to deal with like the chairs from time to time, and so uh, Friday night, uh, you know we're we're all get you know gathering for the marriage conference or whatever, and here comes Josh and his wife Deanna, and they they're coming in the foyer, and and I'm down at this end of the foyer and I'm walking this way. And, and they have seen into the worship center, but they haven't come in here yet. And, and I see Deanna, Deanna starts laughing, and I was like, what's so funny? And she's like, Josh, Josh is already seeing like those chairs stacked in there. And so what you got to understand is like, you know, like we, people put the chairs back, and that's all fine and good. And you can put the chairs back, and you can vacuum, make everything all fine and good, whatever. But, but Josh is always going to come back and fix the chairs after you put them back. It doesn't matter how you put them, he's going to fix them in the end. And so, you know, when he, when he saw the chairs like stacked up, you know, by the wall, just kind of looking through there, Deanna was like, oh yeah, no, Josh saw the chairs stacked up in there and he's like over here twitching. So, you know. <laughs> Seriously though, man, thank you. Thank you for all you do. Uh, Mark 14. Mark 14. Let's jump into this. We've been going through the book of Mark for a little while and uh, if you are just joining in with us on this, I mean, I'll share a couple of things. We've been we've been studying through the book of Mark. Uh, Mark is one of the Gospels. Uh, got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different accounts of the life of Jesus uh, and told by you know, different folks that were around him at that time. And uh, I think it's important for us to, to know that, be reminded of that. Um, and just like, you know, if you had four people in your life write stories about your life, uh, write the account of your life, you'd have you know, some different things in each one because they each got to see or be a part of different parts of your life or whatever. And some of that, uh, some, some of you are probably nervous at the thought of some of your friends writing books about your life. But uh, anyway, uh, Jesus, uh, that's what this is about. And, and we are at this point in the story and in the timeline of Jesus's life where uh, he has gotten to the point where he is about to be taken away to uh, be crucified. And so we have, we have gotten to this point. Jesus has been preparing his disciples. Um, <clears throat> I think sometimes I, he probably wants to beat his head against the wall uh, trying to prepare his disciples, but he's, he's doing, I think, as good a job as you can do. 
And with the disciples, one of the things that is happening is that they are struggling to really understand, I think, what's going on. But then there too, they're struggling to believe everything that he says. So one of the things that Jesus brings to them in the passage just before this one uh, is this understanding that they are going to abandon Jesus. And Jesus tells them, it is written, you are going to, you're going to leave, you're going to turn, you're going to run. When they come for me, you're going to be gone. And, and so they refused to believe. They said, oh no, Jesus, we're, you know, we're never going to do that. We wouldn't do that to you. We're your boys. You know, we got your back to the end, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus is like, no, it is written. It's going to happen. I'm telling you it's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'm, I'm not mad. He's not, he's not saying I'm mad at you. I'm not, you know, whatever. Like, I know you're going to stab me in the back, but I don't care. You know, this is, I mean, he cares, but you know. And he's like, it's written. It's going to happen. Jesus is at this place at this moment in time where this is the last moment, that this is the last passage that we will read a section of before they come to take Jesus away. And in this passage, we see Jesus seeking the Father. And this passage is, man, it's a great passage. I have wrestled with this passage this week. Um, man, just trying to like really just pray through God, what do you have for us with this? Uh, what is this saying to us? What does this mean? What's this mean for your kingdom? What's this mean to us? And in this passage, you've you got to have to know the context of that Jesus has just literally finished telling his disciples, you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. I'm going to be alone. They're going to kill me. And so in this moment, Jesus, you know, you'd think that Jesus might just be like, uh, you know, you guys are going to leave me anyway. I want y'all just go on, you know. But he doesn't do that. We see Jesus actually continue to disciple his disciples in how he leads them, even through this passage here. He brings them with him. And they go somewhere for him to pray. Let, let's just read through this. Mark 14, verse 32. And it says, it says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Set here while I pray. And he took with him... Peter, James, and John, so his like inner circle, the three, Peter, James, and John, he takes them further on, okay, to a place where he's going to pray. He takes them with him that while he's going to pray. And, and this is really, I think this is really, a, should be a little bit eye-opening of like, even in this moment, Jesus is trying to help them to see, you know, the importance of like how to handle a situation. And Jesus is in a situation. He knows and they know that his life is about to be on the line. And so what, you know, what, what are you going to do? Like in this moment, what are you going to do? You know, and that's, that's one of those questions like, if you know, you got just a, if you know you've got another day of your life, you know, what are you going to do with that last day you know, kind of thing? Well, this is what Jesus does. This is where we see him and this is where he lead, we see him even leading the disciples. He says, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. And began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Even to death, remain here and watch. So there's, there's a lot to this passage. We're going we're gonna to kind of skip some of this. We're going to come back to it in just a little bit. Um, 
But we'll say this, Jesus is, at a, Jesus is having a moment. Jesus is having a moment. I mean, he's, he's, he's distressed and he's troubled. Jesus is having a moment. I mean, the moment to the point that like it says that his soul is so sorrowful even to death. Like he, he is in that moment of like feeling like, man, I, just, I, just, I would just almost want to die right now. Like for what he's, what he's dealing with. He then looks at the disciples and says, remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass him that he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We have this situation. Jesus has brought the disciples along, and He's brought them into this moment that they might learn something. I really believe that. Uh, that they might see even you know, how to deal with a moment like this. I mean, they're seeing Jesus, if you want to call it this, at His worst. You know, where they're seeing Jesus, what it say? Uh, uh, distressed and troubled. Distressed and troubled. They see Jesus distressed and troubled. This is a passage of Scripture that actually um, causes a stink between people sometimes because there are those out there that want to argue that, you know, this is Jesus uh, being anxious and falling into sin, that He's not trusting in the Father and that kind of thing. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I, I know it's not because it would, it would undo everything that we know about who Christ is. But at the same time, one of the things that I said last week that's very important for our theology is that we have this complete understanding that, as much as we can understand it, uh, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And I really believe that what we're getting to see in this passage is something that we're, uh, we hardly see anywhere else in Scripture when it comes to getting to see both sides of that and Jesus wanting us to see both sides of that and Him wanting to, the disciples to see both sides of that. I want you to think about that with me for just a minute. You know, the, the, the idea that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. You know, I think a lot of people compartmentalize Jesus sometimes in, when it comes to things like that He went to the cross and died. And that we're like, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know what I mean? He went to the cross and died. Not a big deal for him, though, because he's God, right? You know, not really. I mean, not really a big deal. Wrong. Huge deal. Huge deal. We know it's a huge deal. We know it's a huge deal, by the way. Uh, like things like uh, John 3.16 are written. You know, that God would send his only son. Why would, why would it say that? That whosoever believe in him not, not perish but have everlasting life, you know? I mean, basically, we're getting to see both sides. We're getting to see the divine, and we're getting to see the human at the same time. And, and so the divine, I mean, we know the divine. We know, you know, the easy, you know it's easy to kind of, I think, 
say it's easy to know the divine. It's easy to kind of think that we know, you know, well, he's, you know, he's Jesus, he's God. I mean, he can handle whatever, but at the same time, he's still fully human, and he's allowing them to see that he is distressed, greatly distressed and troubled. Greatly distressed and troubled. Come back to that in just a minute. Going a little farther, he fell on the ground and he prayed, verse 35, that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Is Jesus chickening out? Is Jesus regretting everything that's been planned up until now? Again, I think that we're getting to see the human side of Jesus have to deal with something that is coming. That something is called the cup of wrath. That something is called the cup of wrath. In fact, verse 36, And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not, my, not what I will, but what you will. So we see Jesus go to the Father, and he prays to the Father, and he says, if, any, if anybody can do anything about this, if anybody can do anything about anything, it is you, Father. I trust in you that you could take this from me if you so see that it could be done. Jesus isn't chickening out. Jesus is allowing us to see that even though He is divine, this is not an easy thing that He is about to bear. Something happened. Something happened. Something happened. I don't know if it was when He's telling the disciples, hey, you guys are about to abandon me, and maybe that started to kind of hit Him just a little bit, like the thought of like all these guys that are close to Him, that they're going to turn their backs on Him. I don't, I don't know if the, if the Father allowed Him to see just a little bit of the wrath that was to come at him, like in this moment before, or when he began to pray? I don't know. I don't know. And these are great questions for us to ask one day when, when we get to be in the kingdom of God and get to ask him all of these things. Uh, but something happened. In this moment, something happened. Uh, you know, part of me wonders, like, has his divine nature protected him from allowing him to dwell on like the wrath that he is about to take. I mean, like, because here's what's going down here, folks. It says, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. We, we've never seen Jesus like this. We've seen Jesus cry. We've seen Jesus upset. But this is greatly distressed and troubled. In fact, the Greek word, Greek word for troubled here uh, could also be uh, communicated as horrified horrified, greatly distressed and horrified. I want you to see the context of this because he says, greatly distressed and troubled or horrified. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Even to death. You see, you see what, you know what Jesus is saying there, right? He's saying, I'm so troubled. I'm so horrified in this moment. I'm at a place where I just as soon die. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like death is on me now because of the weight 
of this that I am beginning to see just in this moment. Like he is tasting just a little bit of the wrath that is about to come for him. And it has him personally in a moment where Jesus himself communicates to the disciples, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Even to death. Horrified. Horrified. Man, that's a word. And horrified comes in, you know, different different things. You know, I mean, we can be horrified in different ways. Like you've been, you could have been horrified as a kid watching, you know, Freddie and Jason or something on a movie, you know, scary movie. You could be, you know, I could be, I could be horrified when I find lettuce on my tacos. You know? I mean, like, it has no place. It has no place. Happened Friday night, as a matter of fact. I mean, you just got to keep going through those hard times like that, you know? But I mean, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, horrified. I mean, you use that word horrified for things like that, and that's something stupid. When I think about what, like, I'm imagining Jesus in the horror that He is in in this moment. The, the closest I can get to that, the closest that I can think about that is, and I've, I've shared a little bit about this before, but uh, one year when we went on vacation and, and London was just little bitty, but she was old enough to walk and, you know, and man, she's a goer. And she was a goer then, she's a goer now. And, and that girl, we get up one morning and she's gone. We wake up in a condo, we've been asleep, and she's gone. I mean, like, gone, gone. Like, she's not in the condo with us gone. And there were some moments there that, that are the closest thing that I can, come, I can come to in my life is understanding what horrified might be like. There, were, there was a moment there where, you know, I was running down stairwells looking in every hallway. We were like eight floors up. There was a moment there where I realized I have to go on the balcony and look over the edge and look down at the ground. I was horrified. She ends up showing up on an elevator with some security guard on like the third floor just like wandering around <laughs> looking at caterpillars or something. I don't know. No different today. You see, in this moment, what Jesus is about to endure for us is something that we can't even fully understand. To say that He was horrified means that He was looking into the wrath that was going to come in that cup, which He was going to take for us. For us. And here's the thing. He wasn't going to take that for us after we got ourselves all prettied up and like, oh, hi, Jesus, we love you. No, no, no. He was going to do that for us while we were still sinners. Taking the worst moments of the worst days of our lives, all of the moments in which we've turned our back on the Lord and said, our way is better than yours, we'll do it this way. And, and, and there He is, and, and, and He's saying, 
I'll take it. And you're like, Chris, he's not saying he'll take it. He's praying to the Father, and he's saying to the Father, remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Yeah, he is. You're right. We're seeing him ask the Father, if there's another way, hey, you know, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. But the truth is this. He doesn't do what everybody else would do. He doesn't run away. He just asks the Father, hey, if there's another way, I'm down. But what else does He say? He says, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, He comes under the Father's authority. He comes under the Father's authority. And I think this is, this is huge for us to see this. It's, it's this unbelievable thing working between the, in the Trinity between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and, and that the Son would come under the Father and the, and the plan that the Father would have for Him. Absolutely amazing. And, and here's the truth about that authority, is that, is that God, we, we come under that authority. We come under the authority of God. We come under His authority. And the truth is, He also puts us under the authority of other people here on earth. And sometimes that's for us. and I would say all the time it's for our greater good, even when we don't see it that way. You know, I don't know if you've ever had to work with somebody or work under somebody that you didn't like, you know, the things that they ask you to do or whatever. Um, many years ago, I was on staff at a church and uh, loved the church, loved the pastor, you know. Uh, dude loves Jesus. He is the perfect pastor for that church, all those things, fully supportive of them. But it's a different type of church. And for me, honestly, it probably wasn't the best fit. But they had come calling on me to come be their youth pastor. I wasn't even looking for a job. And they come calling and saying, you know, hey, you know, we want to hire you, we want to bring you on and all this stuff. And my heart began to break for the situation that they were in, and I began to see the need. And you know, I was like, you know, okay, Lord, you know, if you're leading us, this is kind of a different type of church for us a little, you know, what you might call like a higher church or a high church or whatever, which is a little more just, you know, that's just tech not, you know, technical terms for more fancy, okay? They had like the thrones on the stage and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? That's preacher kid jokes type stuff right there, you know? And so, uh, you know, and, and, and so I, I told them in the, in the interview process, I said, well, look, you know, I, I, think, I think God's leading, leading us to come. I was like, I just, I just want to ask something of you guys, like I see what kind of church you guys have, and I see the kind of pastors you guys have, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of very different than those guys, and now I'm cool with that, I'm good with that. I was like, but just understand, like, I, I really, really, really don't want to, like, have somebody hire me and try to change me and turn me into who they want me to be. I was like, I'm not saying, like, in some you know, if I've got some sin, I'm not willing to, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like who I am, you know, whatever. And, and specifically, <laughs> I was like, look, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I see you guys in the suits. I was like, I'm not, not a suit guy. No, that's surprising to all of you. And uh, I was like, I'm not, not really a suit guy. I was like, I'd rather not, you know, I don't just, please don't bring me on board and, you know, try to turn me into your monkey. And so, um, Long story short, while I was so I went and everything was cool and they agreed, yeah, yeah, no, we want to, we don't want to, we don't want to change who you are, you know, you, you know, I mean, you know, it's like you know, working with teenagers, like you don't want, 
going to be like ministering to like a junior high boy on a Sunday morning and looking like a funeral director at the same time. And so, you know, I, 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 given some time, there was a changing of the guard. And we had a new senior pastor come in. And the senior pastor that came in was also kind of what you might call old school or whatever. And that's the guy I was talking about a minute ago. And, I, you know, and, and anyway, he, you know, he kind of had his ways and he had, you know, how he wanted things to go and everything. And so, you know, we were, we're good, like, I don't know, about three months in or so, like one day he calls me, you know, calls me on my phone in my office and we got like the intercom thing or whatever. And he's like, hey, you mind come down and talk to me? I was like, that's fine, man, I'll come down. And, and it's like, I knew, I knew going down there. I was like, I know what he's going to ask me. And I get down there and he's like, Chris, you know, man, everything's going great. You know, just, it's awesome what's happening in our student ministry. Kids come to Jesus and all this kind of stuff. Man, it's fantastic. I got something I want to ask you. And I was like, oh, dang, here we go. And he says, Chris, I'd really, I'd really like on Sunday mornings, if you would, to start wearing a suit and tie. And man, my, my insides just started like, you know. I was like, oh man, really? We're going to have to do this? And so I, I, here's what I, I, I did. I just said, uh, I said, uh, well, can I, can I talk to you about that? I said, can I tell you about the conversations I had when I was hired to come here? And, and he said, sure, sure, yeah, share that with me. And I did, and I said, you know, basically I asked him, and I, I said, here, here's the deal. I said, look, you're, you're the guy that God has put in authority over me here. And I said, you know what? If, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. I was like, because that's, that's what, you know, I, I, I don't want to undermine. I was like, and I don't want to be divisive about it. I don't want it to be a thing. We'll have to, I was like, if I'm about to have to start wearing suits and ties all of a sudden every Sunday, like, like some kids are going to be talking. Like, we're going to have to, like, figure out, like, a way to, like, you know, figure this out. I was like, maybe, we, like, Easter was coming up. I was like, maybe we work this out. Like, we started on Easter kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine, that'd be fine. I know you might have some time, you know, need some time to get some suits or whatever, you know. And I was like, yeah, I think I bought one suit. It's like one suit every Sunday, you know, kind of thing. I don't have any suits right now, praise the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and so anyway, uh, so yeah, he was like, Chris, I'd really like, I'd really like for you to do it. And I said, okay, I mean, if that's what you want me to do. Uh, so, so come Easter Sunday, I, start, I wore this suit. And then here come, man, here come like this, like, I mean, like, I got mobbed by all these little old ladies at the church that they loved me, but man, they really loved me in a suit. You know, they were like, oh, you look so great. We love you in this suit. And so like in that moment, like I had a moment and I was like, bing, light goes off. And I was like, well, I tell you what, I was like, you know, we got this little thing called a youth missions account. I was like, if I were to see that go up every week, I'd wear a suit every week. Boom. There we go. So we got, we got, you know, people giving money to the kids. I'm out, you know, for like people wondering like why all of a sudden I'm wearing suits all the time, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, I guess it's kind of a confession today really too that I, 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 I did that to them. So, <laughs> But authority, authority is hard to come under sometimes. And I'll be honest with you, there's been plenty, plenty. I, I just told you one instance where I came under authority. I could tell you for that one instance that I came under authority, probably easily a hundred, where I like came against authority because my nature as a sinner is to rebel against people that want me to do something that I don't want to do. The truth is, is that God knows better for us sometimes. 
truth is that God knows that He would pour His cup of wrath out on Jesus. The wrath that we deserve for our sin. Jesus didn't do anything to deserve it. Jesus didn't do anything wrong that He should be getting that kind of... And here He is just in getting a taste of it and just getting a taste... He is distressed and horrified to the point where he feels like he's going to die. He's not even at the cross yet. He hasn't even started being beaten yet, and he's communicating to the disciples, I feel like I'm going to die with the weight of just this little of what I know is about to happen to me. And so when he goes to the Father and says, if it is possible for you, remove this cup from me, Yet not what I will, but what you will. What you see is you see the human side of Jesus showing because God wants us to see that. He doesn't want us copping out on going, well, it's just easy for Jesus because He's God. It wasn't easy. He went to the cross in pain. He felt like He was going to die before they even started beating Him. Just the thought of what was about to be put on Him was that, that horror that comes that is, is, is something like what we experience in this life when we think we've lost our child. Or when we have lost our child. Or we have lost a parent. Or another loved one. Or whatever. Isaiah 51 Verse 17 says this. It says, Wake yourself, wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of His wrath. Who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. The cup of staggering. Thus says the Lord, the Lord your God. I'm sorry, verse 22, jumping down. Thus says the Lord, the Lord your God, who pleads the cause of His people. Behold, I have taken you, taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of My wrath, that you shall drink no more. He's saying to us, you do not have to drink the wrath anymore. I am giving it away. This is long before Jesus would walk the earth. And in verse 23 it says, And I will put it into the hand of your tormentors who have said to you, Bow down, that we may pass over. And you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to pass over. Who would allow others to pass over them using their back and taking that wrath on our behalf? None other than Jesus Himself. None other than Jesus Himself. Distressed and horrified. And here all the while, He's got His disciples. Here all the while, He's got His disciples. He's like, hey, you guys come with me. I want you guys to be a part of this. I want you to kind of see what's going on. And even the inner three, He's like, okay, you guys come with me. We're going to go a little farther. And I want, you know, once you're close enough, you can even hear me pray. And they can't keep it together. They, they, can't, they can't even stay awake. How, how many times? 
How many times did he go back and, and, and wake him up? Three times. Three times. Three times. And he calls Peter. You know, I mean, man, poor Peter. I, sometimes I feel like poor Peter. You know, it's like how many, how many things? And like the three, the three thing, you know, like you're going to deny me three times. You're going to fall asleep. You know, fall, he's falling asleep three times. Uh, you know, this three thing. I mean, this is not by accident. This is going to keep seeing this. We're going to see this after Jesus comes back from the dead. Jesus says something to them. I think that's interesting. Verse 37, he said, And he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Like, seriously, like, could you not stay awake for an hour? Like, bro, this is it. Like, this is the end. But then Jesus, actually, in this moment, I can't imagine being Jesus and having any kind of grace and mercy on Peter. And here it comes. Here comes the grace and mercy. Watch, it said, verse 38 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. So first of all, he's trying to teach Peter in this moment, like, you know, you say, you say that you want to follow me. You say that you're not going to turn your back on me. You say you're not going to fall into sin. Peter, if you don't want to fall into sin, if you don't want to fall into temptation, then you need to pray, bro. He says, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And the grace continues, here it is, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's not talking about Jesus. That's Jesus talking about Peter. A lot of people take that passage, part of that passage and like, oh, it's talking about the, the Holy Spirit and the flesh of Christ. No, 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 no. Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's saying, Peter, I get you want, you want to follow me. I get that you really want to do it, but I see that the flesh is weak, like you're tired. And you're struggling right now. And I get it. So Jesus, even, even in this moment, Jesus is showing his grace on Peter. And I'm like, I want to smack Peter in the head. Like I don't think he, and he probably didn't, fully understand everything that was happening. And he says something in the midst of all that that I think is so good for us to hear. And he says to Peter, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let me ask you a question. How would life be so very different if we could live out that passage from 1 Thessalonians. You know 1 Thessalonians 5, 7. Three words. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, three words. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What's our life look like? How is it different if we actively took on a role where we sought the Lord in everything that we did, every minute of the day, and we quit being selfish and self-centered and making it about what we wanted and started going, God, what do you want for me right now? What do you want me to do with this right now, Lord? What do you want me to do this week? How do you want me to serve those people? How do you want me to be a part of it? How do you want me? And we can. We can do that. Like We, we can live a life where we are in constant Prayer, seeking God all the time. You're like, Chris, you know I me, mean? I, I don't, you know, I, I got work, I got driving, you know, I can't like have my eyes closed all the time and stuff. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. 
I can tell you, the best moments of, of my prayer life most of the time are spent in a forerunner driving down the interstate with my eyes open. God speaks to our hearts. He softens our hearts. He makes them look more like Him when we spend time with Him. It's so simple that it's earth-shattering, and yet at the same time we're like, duh. You know, like I, I know that. I should know that. I should get that. I should be doing that. But at the same time, we're fighting our sinner selves. And I think, instead of feeling guilty about it, I think, I think it should be just one of those things that, man, it just, man, we should be drawn back to God and who He is and what He's done, that He would pour the cup of wrath out on His Son, that Jesus, Jesus didn't run. See, that's the difference. In fact, in reading and studying on some of this, you know, I was reading about like kings and great leaders from this time period of when Jesus was here and even before that, and even in Christendom, you know, a lot of the leaders that you see, when they are talked about, when they are written about, they're written as being these guys that are like, oh, he fought to the end, and it's like, you know, brave heart and you know, all this, and like even to his death, he was like, I'll never die. You know, it's like a goonie or something, you know. Goonies never say die for use for this side. We're you know, still trying to get it. And, and, and but like here we have, here we have the opposite written about the guy who's the creator of the world, and we know him as the king of kings. We have Jesus, we have what's written about Jesus. What's written about Jesus right here is completely different. It's here he is talking about how he thinks he's gonna die, just, just even getting a taste of the cup of wrath that is coming at him. And he's not looking at the disciples and going, he's not, you know, ride or die, I'm going to, you know, we're going to make the most of it to the end. You know, Jesus is like, no. You guys are going to run away. I'm going to do this alone and it's going to hurt. But he looks at Peter and he says, look, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. And seriously, here in this very last moment, he's got with Peter. He's still teaching him. He's still teaching us. And he's saying, look, pray to the Lord. Let him be the one who helps you find the way. And i got to believe. I, well, I don't have to believe. I, I, let me tell you. On the days of my life, because they're not every day, but on the days of my life that I am in prayer and asking God to lead me and talking with Him throughout my day, i got to tell you, I am a completely different person. I am a completely different person. I mean, those days that I'm not praying, those days that I'm not seeking the Lord, on those days, you know who I am? I'm the guy that's annoyed by a lot of people. It's a great trait for a pastor, by the way. I'm like, oh, you again. Okay. Kidding. But 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 that's you see what I'm saying? Like we're all sinners seeking to be led by our Savior, and that doesn't happen unless we spend time with him because left to our own, our hearts are wicked. 
And on those days when I am seeking the Lord, I see people differently. I see situations differently. The really bad worst of situations aren't as bad and all of those things. Because I have a context of being reminded throughout those days that the Lord is still sitting on His throne. Imagine that. I might be having a bad day, but guess what? The Lord is still sitting on His throne. And He's still still sovereign over all of it. And so it doesn't really matter how bad a day I've got because that day's going to come to an end. And at the end of the day, the Lord's still sitting on His throne. When I wake up tomorrow, He's still going to be sitting on His throne. And he's got a plan. Imagine that. And even in situations where we might be called to come under authority of somebody, that we think some awful thing in the moment of life, like, oh my gosh, it's going to make me wear a suit. It's a silly thing, right? It's a silly thing. We get to the end, I mean, I'm still not saying I like wearing suits. I don't, okay? Don't get me wrong. But the truth is, it's a silly thing. I was like 25 years old at the time. It's even more silly looking back at that as I'm older now. But the truth is this, coming under that authority in that moment brought me to a place where it made me start to look at the church as a whole differently, which led me to the point of going, well, some of this seems kind of silly. We cut out some of that, we did some of that, and and, and began the process of like God leading me to being a part of starting a new church. Because I had to wear suits. So praise God for the suits. Praise God I don't have to wear them now. But you see how the Lord works all of these things for our good? If we'll follow Him through. The problem is, is so many times of my life, I don't want to follow through those types of things. I'm like, I'm good. I'm just going to go do what's easy. I'm going to go do the easy thing. God's like, no, 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 follow me. Follow me through this. Jesus prays. Jesus prays. He goes to the Father and He prays. And we think we're going to get through this without doing that? Oh, come on. If we as believers could do this, Our lives would be changed. Our worlds would change. Our worlds would change. Our viewpoint of everything would change. I've watched a family's life change before my eyes on social media for the last several months. For the last several months, I have watched a friend of mine named Lowell. And um, Lowell married one of my friend's sisters. Now, I'm not talking like I'm best friends with Lowell or something, but Lowell has played an integral part of my life. In fact, I'll tell you that real quick. So many years ago, I began to do, well, I was looking into doing a master's degree program out of a church from Seattle. And uh, guys, our, our other pastors were encouraging me, hey, you should go do it, all this kind of stuff. But the truth is, it was like, you had to go to Seattle once a month for a year. I'm like, how are we going to do that? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, how do you pull that off? 
And my dad, you know, I shared it with my dad, and he was like, what do you think about it? I was like, I, you know, I, don't, I don't even know how we'd figure that out. And he's like, well, you know what? If we could figure it out, I'll help take care of, like, paying for the actual school part. And I was like, oh, okay, wow, that's pretty awesome. And it was, wasn't expensive as a lot of things, but still, money, you know. And, um, and so then uh, the thing about Lowell, to know about Lowell, is uh, he was a, 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 a pilot for Southwest Airlines. And Lowell uh, would get something, several of these a month, something called a buddy pass. I don't know if you know what a buddy pass is or not, but buddy pass, basically, if you're a pilot, you get several of these. And I think if you work for the airlines, a lot of, maybe not all airlines, but at least with Southwest, you get these buddy passes, or you did at that time. And you get so many a month, and, and Lowell had, you know, he'd been in the military, he'd flown in the Air Force, I mean, all this, all this other stuff. And uh, Lowell had, you know, gotten to a point where he'd get several of these things a month. And so uh, my dad ends up talking with their family, and he ends up uh, gifting me buddy passes to fly. Basically, a buddy pass, you can just fly wherever you want to on a Southwest Airline. And so I would fly. So, 12, so for 12 months, I would fly once a month, stay a weekend or a week, depending upon uh, the month that I would go or whatever, had awesome professors, people like John Piper and stuff, kind of crazy, thinking about that. Uh, and, and then uh, we only had to pay for one ticket. Also, we had a family here that gifted some airline miles to help make a, make a couple of trips happen. But we got, we got to where we went all 12 months where we only bought, I think, one plane ticket or maybe like one and a half plane tickets. I know it sounds weird. Um, because we were using somebody's points there on that last one. But the last trip, we took our family to go to the graduation of me graduating out of this program. And um, one and a half tickets. Lowell's a pilot. Lowell's the kind of guy that I think would probably have said, you know, I don't know how God's going to use what I'm doing other than like relationships around me and stuff. Like how could, how could God use his work for the kingdom of God. I'm here to tell you that God can use anybody's work for the kingdom of God. So that's one thing I wanted to come from that. But the other thing is I have watched Lowell's family as the very beginning of this year, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And I have, I've, been, I've watched videos. I've, I mean, I've, I've been as in tune to this as probably anything on social media, to be honest with you. And I have watched, Lowell knew the Lord, and I have watched his family so graciously, so graciously deal with the fact that he would die. And about two weeks ago, he passed away. This morning, this morning on Facebook for like a split second, but because I've liked and all this time, I'm seeing like every post from the family come through. They just last night were cleaning out the attic, and they had found his flight suits from when he was in the military. They had all of his boots lined up in the hallway. And there was a statement, I think the statement was, you know, the tagline was something like, you know, if only, if only we knew everywhere these boots had been. And I have watched his wife. I, I just can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how I have watched his wife deal with his death. She has been unbelievably unwavering in the gospel from the very first moment all the way to the end. And even, even the post I saw this morning, I saw somebody, 
I'm so sorry. And, she, and, she, and she's right back. And, and it's, not a, it's not a fake. It's not a show. I mean, you know when it is because, I mean, you just know. And, and she's right back with, look, he's, he's doing great. He's doing better than he's ever been. We look forward to seeing him again one day. It's okay. You see, folks, that is a peace that surpasses all understanding that only comes from Jesus. It only comes from Jesus. We're looking for it everywhere else. If I could buy this, if I could have that, if we could do this, get that job, do, be this person in the community, all this junk at the end of the day. And I listen, I, we all fight that same fight. But at the end of the day, the peace that surpasses all understanding only comes from Jesus. And it only comes from spending time with Him. We can't expect to be Sunday morning Christians and have that peace going about the week. We just can't. We, there's a reason why Jesus is looking at Peter in this moment. He's like, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He's like, bro, I love you. I'm looking out for you right now. Please don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. You see, if we're praying without ceasing, then our trust in the Lord is real. It's real. It's not the fake, like, showy Christian stuff that we, we all hate anyway. And we say, oh, I don't want to be a part of that hypocritical stuff. That's exactly what we do. If we make it about anything else other than Jesus, our anxiousness would be a thing of the past. We don't have to be troubled. We do not have to be horrified in this life. Because Jesus was for us. I'll say it again. We don't have to be troubled and we don't have to be horrified in this life because Jesus was for us. The cup of wrath was taken by Jesus that we might never have to know it. In Jesus, the wrath is beaten. In Jesus, love wins. And if we trust in Jesus, then that trouble, that horror is dead. If you have never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior, let me, let me just tell you today, He loves you. He doesn't love the cleaned up version of you. He loves you as a sinner, as you are. He went to the cross and He gave His life that you could be a part of the family. He did it for me. He did it for rebellious me. That no matter who I might not want to follow or come under that God might put over me at times in my life, that He still loved me and cared for me enough that even when I'd make the most boneheaded decisions of my life, that He would still care enough to not turn His back in this moment, which is what we would do if given this chance of, oh, well, we want wrath or no wrath. We'd go, uh, no thank you, no wrath for me. Jesus said to the Father, I come under your authority, your will be done. I'll take it. For you and for me. This morning, if God's speaking to your heart about knowing Him, I pray, I pray, I pray for you that you won't turn away, that you won't run away, but that you'll listen to Him. Even talk to somebody. I'll be here. Others will be here. 
afterwards during service, whatever. Glad to talk to you, pray with you. No pressure. We just want people to know who Jesus is. Because we love you. Because He's loved us. And because we know that, we know at least in spurts that peace that surpasses all understanding. We want you to have it too. Let's pray together. God, what an amazing thing you have done for us. Amazing and we don't deserve it. God, it is unbelievable the grace that you show us despite the fact we're even undeserving of it, Lord, even, even more to the, to the extent of God that you could give it and you would give it freely. We, don't, we can't earn it. God, that is so opposite for us in everything in this life, God. I pray, Lord, that we would quit trying harder and that we would put our trust in You and let You lead us. Lead us, Lord. Lead us. May we seek You. May our lives be about You. Thank You for what You've done through Your Son. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would glorify You in our lives, Lord, that others would know You because they know us. Thank You for Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen.